It's good to be back with you guys. This is uh, one of my favorite places to preach, I'll be honest. I always enjoy coming back and being with you guys, and uh, I'm just thankful to, to have that relationship with you, but especially with Jim, and uh, Jim uh, has been an inspiration to me through the years, and uh, having that common passion in a lot of way for the uh, missions, uh, outreach of Christ, and uh, just uh, encouraging brother upon brother and uh, I, I, when I think of Jim, I, I just think, you know, that's the kind of guy that you need for your friend. And we all need good friends. And Jim, I appreciate that throughout all the years. But uh, added bonus to that is I get to come and be with you guys. And so I'm looking uh, forward to us seeing what the Lord is, is up to in our lives. I want to invite you to turn to Matthew, the sixth chapter. We're going to look there at verse 11. And today, you know, as we're looking around the world in which we're living, there's a lot of fear. I mean, who knows what mass shooting is going to happen next? Who knows what's going to happen in the international world and all the, the wars and all that's going on? Who's, who knows what's going to happen here next, right, in America? All the illnesses, sicknesses. You know, I remember a day when you didn't know a whole lot of what was going on in the world, and we were probably better off. But then they invented this thing called 24-hour uh, news, and so now, you know, if somebody stubs their toe in Africa, I hear about it. I mean, it's just like ridiculous. I mean, I'm not, not that I don't care for other people in other places, but I don't need to know all this. I mean, I got enough negative going on in America, right? But, you know, you can, if you turn on your news, if you read, it's just a lot for us to be afraid of. And I, I think in the world in which we live in, a lot of people are talking real strong. I mean, uh, those that are outside the church are talking real strong. They're acting like they got it all together, but they don't. And I think, especially in America, there are a lot of people who right now are afraid of what's going to happen. And I think that they're living in fear. And, and the great thing for the church is, this is an awesome time for us to shine. This could be a time that we shine in our own community and around the world with the, the faithfulness to believe in that our Father is going to take care of us and there's no need of us to be afraid of anything. And if we would catch on to that, and if we would follow Christ and his prescription for us in the passage that, that, uh, Brother G that Jim uh, read a while ago, then we could understand, we could become the church that showed people what it was not to worry because we believe in the provision of our Heavenly Father for us. And so today, as we look at Jesus' teaching on prayer is a wonderful and a beautiful thing. And, and I've been able here lately to preach in one church for a while rather than preaching in several different ones. And I started out with the Lord's Prayer because I believe in these days we need to know how to pray. But not only do we need to study and listen on the CDs, we need to do it. I mean, we got enough knowledge, we just need to pray. And so when it comes to praying, Jesus Christ said, this is how you should pray. Well, if Jesus said it, you don't get any better than that. You don't need to go get a book on prayer. Just read what Jesus said. But just notice his foundation for prayer. He says, first of all, pray our Father in heaven. And what does that tell us? It tells us that when you pray, you are praying to someone. You have a relationship with your God. And that relationship is he is your heavenly Father. That means he's a perfect Father. It means he's a father who loves you. He's a father who wants to listen to your every care. And he's a father who's able to be able to help you because he loves you dearly. But not only is your, your father, but he is your father in heaven. And Jesus said to pray, hallowed be your name. Not only should you understand as you pray, this is my father and all these great things about the grace and mercy of God. But hey, he's my father who needs to be hallowed because he's so far removed from humans, he is God. He is totally 
God. He, you are able at any moment to walk into the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Man, church, we need to lift it up. We got our eyes down on our circumstances. And so Jesus was saying with your prayer life, what you do is you get your mind off of this down here and remember who it is you're praying to. You're praying to your heavenly father who loves you, but he's also the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And so you don't just enter in any old way into his presence. And that's what he says. The next thing is, and your prayer should be your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You have walked in the presence of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. How is his will done in heaven? Perfectly. When God says it, it's done. There, there are no, no one says no to God in heaven. Nobody in heaven says, oh, I can't do that. No, no, that doesn't happen, okay? And so Jesus is saying, as you have this foundation, my heavenly Father who deserves for me to hallow his name. And, and I, the only way I can respond to a great God like that is to be obedient to him, that his will be done here on earth in my life, a life of my church and around, that I do everything I can, Lord, to spread your kingdom and the faithfulness of your people. Now, if you hadn't already had revival by now, you know, we need to check your ticker. Something's going on. You serve a God who loves you like a father. And we get our minds, again, so much on stuff down here, we forget about the greatness of Christianity. Sometimes we're so busy thinking about what's going to happen next that we don't enjoy what's happening now. What's going, what might happen tomorrow, what might come tomorrow, and it ruins what we have now. We have a heavenly father who loves us, who's all powerful, who comes to us. And then notice that Jesus says your foundation of prayer, that's how you start your prayer life. And then you ask God for those things that you need. And he lists three things. He says you need your daily provision. That's everything you need to get through the day. Uh, he says daily bread. But the understanding as you get into the text here is everything you need uh, in a day. He says you pray that you be forgiven and that you forgive. Forgiveness is huge in the Christian life. If you don't forgive, you have a heart of unforgiveness, you can't be forgiven because you have not come into a repentant stage and asked for your forgiveness and you're not being forgiven. And then the third thing he says is you need help with evil to pray. And so when we come, there are three things we ought to always pray about, our daily sustenance, what we need, to pray that we forgive others and God forgive us, and then thirdly, that God deliver us from evil. And you know, we can't go into all those today, but I want us to go into that first one. As you think about it, don't you think today that we have a little problem with worry? We have a little problem with worry in the body of Christ. And, and, you know, sometimes we say, well, that's a part of my, that's just who I am. I'm just a worrier. No, you can't get away with it. That's, that's not going to work with God. Because, you see, we might take worry and say, well, you know, that's something I can allow. But God sees worry as a sin because it's the opposite of faith. Listen to me over in Matthew, the sixth chapter, verse 24. Therefore, I tell you, stop worrying. That's a command. Of God. Stop worrying about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food? Is it not more the body more than clothes? So what is worry? R worry is when we are rooted in a constant desire for the benefit of self. 
When self gets involved and self wants to be in charge and self wants, self wants what self wants, that's when worry comes about because we begin to worry, is self going to get what I really want? And we become absorbed with what we want. And many times, it's not even things of God that we're worried about. And so worry is when a Christian becomes like the world and puts self back up on the throne and says, I want this so bad. This is, and it's not happening. And when it doesn't happen, we don't know what to do because we don't have the power. We don't have the ability. We don't have the mind to make things happen. And when it doesn't happen, again, we're so worried about what's coming next that we're not able to enjoy what's happening now that's good. Someone has said worry is, is like a rocking chair. It takes a whole lot of effort to go nowhere. So what it, Jesus said, what is your worrying going to change, basically? You know, and, and so we, we stop and think about it. Now, I know that some of you blessed saints don't want to admit it, but you know what? We all worry. Come on now. Come on now. Let's be honest. Every person here worries about something. You wake up in the middle of the night and you go, if only my adult children would do what I told them to do. <laughs> and if they hear this tape, I'm in trouble. But anyway, you know, you, you wake up and things are going on. And you go, oh my goodness. And, and you can't get any sleep. And, and then you begin to worry. And then you begin to tell everybody about your worries. And, and if you're not able, you know, as some of you are the designated worrier for your whole family. And people know you because you will worry for them. Because you're going to tell them you're worried for them. You'll worry for the little puppy down the street. You'll worry for those stories around the world where somebody hurt their thumb in Africa or Canada or wherever. You're a worrier. Jesus is here today and he wants better for you. He wants better for you so that you can be happy, yes, so that you can be joyful, yes, but there's a greater purpose. You were created not only to enjoy fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ, but to go out and shine as a light for him and the world out there. And listen, nobody is impressed with the worrier. I mean, it's not hard to worry and it's destructive and people know it. But what Christ is saying, what the world out there needs to see is not worry, but faith. And trust that God is going to take care of me. In the world in which we live in today where people are worrying and worrying and worrying, what if they could see somebody that's just walking through it, walking through the same type of events in their life, and there's something different about them. And they might go and ask them, hey, what's up with you? You're different. And you could say, I have a heavenly father who is king of kings and lord of lords, but he loves me. And I trust him that he's going to give me everything I need daily. That's what Christ was saying to you and me. There is a place of faithfulness. There's a place of prayer that you can go to that you can find that kind of help. How do we do that? Number one, we need to ask God to determine what our needs are and then be content 
with his choices. Martin Luther said this once, everything necessary for the preservation of this life is the bread that's mentioned in this passage. When it says, give us our bread, uh, as Martin Luther studied that and others have studied, he said this includes food, but also a healthy body, good weather, a house, a home, a wife, a children, good government and peace, and all those things that go about that you need a good life. So what you're praying to God is, God, give me all those things that I need, not only to have that joyous Christian life, but to be able to be able to go out and shine that to the world so that others might see Christ in me and see the joy in my life because I have someone who's going to take care of me that they don't have. As you think about it, it's not talking about our our greeds, but it's talking about our our needs. And so we we go to, to the Father and we're content with what he gives us and whatever he decides to give us, then we make that that work in our lives. Secondly, we ask God to do this day by day. You know, the story in the Old Testament was God gave them the manna and how often did he give it to them? Daily. I, I believe that he was teaching them something. I believe he was teaching them, you need me every day. I believe he was saying to them, as you're in the wilderness and as you're going to the promised land, wherever you might be and wherever we might be every day, we need to understand that we desperately need Christ, we desperately need the Heavenly Father. We desperately need the Holy Spirit in our lives if we're going to make it through. And so what Christ is saying, you pray and understand, I'm utterly dependent upon God. There are things in my life that I believe are the right thing to happen. There are things in the life of those people I love that are the right thing to happen. There are things in my world that I believe are the right thing to happen, but I can't do it. So what am I to do? Give up? Worry? No. I'm to go to the Heavenly Father and say, Father, I'm praying about this person. I'm praying about myself. I'm praying about my world. Whatever it is on your mind. And say, Heavenly Father, I ask that you work in this case. And then you leave it with the Father. But it takes you doing that day by day by day. Because what about worry, you know? It's going to come back tomorrow. It's going to be right there in the morning. It might even come at 2 or 3 a.m. and not, might not wait till the sun comes up, but it's going to be back. And you, day by day, you keep, you keep surrendering to his lordship of your life. You begin to, to say, Lord, if I put you in charge, I don't have to worry because I know that you're going to do the right thing. Why? Because you're my loving heavenly father. I don't, I don't determine the goodness of God by my circumstances because that'll mess you up. If God, if my circumstances have to be good so that I believe that I have a good God, then something's wrong with my theology. Because friends, my God is good no matter if my circumstances are good or not. That's what the Bible teaches. And so we can't let our circumstances be our theology. No, we have to look to our Father and and interpret everything else by Him. We know that not everything down here is going to go the way we want it. We know that everything down here will not be perfectly the way we want it because this is not our home. This is just somewhere we're passing through. Sin has ruined this world. This is a ruined world. We have to understand that, but yet in spite of that as Christians, we have so much offered to us when we come to him daily and ask for his help and surrender to his lordship. You see, you have to understand that the promise for God to take care of your every need, listen very carefully, the promise that God is gonna care for every need in your life is based upon a very important fact. Who's in charge? I want you to listen. Over in Psalm 37, 25, I have been young. This is David, not me, but I I could say it, okay? (laughs) 
Jim has been young and I've been old. He tells me all the time how older brother. Did y'all notice that? I mean, my older brother. I'm surprised he didn't tell the difference in our age. He likes to do that too, but he was gracious this morning. Anyway, I don't know how I said that. Anyway, I've been young and now I'm old. I have not seen the righteous forsaken nor his descendants begging for bread. Can I tell you, the longer you serve the Lord, the more you can say amen to that. But I want to point out, it says, I have not seen the righteous forsaken. And in the Bible, that idea of righteous is the person not that's perfect, but the person who has a perfect desire to obey the master. So when you stop and think of somebody who who in their heart want to do what God wants them to do, I'm just going to tell you, I've never seen any of them forsaken. But wherever they went, listen, wherever they went, whatever happened, God was right there with them to give them everything they need. And maybe you don't believe that yet. And maybe you hadn't trusted God yet enough to know that. But I'm just telling you, when you get to be an old man like me, you finally learn some things, you know. And that's one of the things I can say with David. The righteous God has never forsaken. Regardless of what the circumstances say, that's not how you determine who God is. Another passage, Matthew 5, 33, uh, in, in the same uh, teachings of Jesus, it says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Now, that's the first step. Seeking first his kingdom and righteousness means I'm, I'm surrendering to the lordship of Jesus. I'm surrendering to the leading of the Holy Spirit. I want to make the Father, I want to be obedient to my heavenly Father. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. And he's just talked about your daily needs. Whatever it is, was your daily needs right above this passage. And all these things will be given to you as well. I'm just here to tell you, folks, that God has a plan for your life. As a follower of Jesus Christ, he has a plan where you don't have to worry about anything, but you can know that God's going to provide you everything you need, no matter what the world says, no matter what your circumstances say. You can walk through life in faith and not fear you, you can walk through life in joy and not worry. But it all begins first with seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness and knowing he's your heavenly father who's a king of king and lord of lords. He can do anything he wants to do and he wants to do it for us. When we come to him with our cares, when we come to him and say, Lord, give me my needs and trust him to do that. Wherever you are in life today, I... I just have a feeling there's some people here who are having a hard time with fear. Maybe in your personal life, it's not even the world situation. Maybe there's a marriage that's having trouble. Maybe there's financial needs. Maybe there's something at at school, kids, or in your community. There's no way for me to know, but the Holy Spirit, the Lord knows. And you're here today and you just say, I just, I just, I hear what you're saying, Brother Phil. I, I hear you, but I'm just not sure. I'm just not sure that that's true. If you're here today and you're really struggling in your life, trusting the Lord to take care of you, would you write down a passage right now? And and I want you to go home and we're going to look at it just briefly. It's a passage, but I want you to begin to read this passage every morning and every night. This passage is written by Paul. 
He went through so many things in his life, but yet he remained faithful. He, he, be, he continued to be a light of the world no matter what happened to him. But this passage is found in Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. Now, I'm, as I read it, I've added a little bit to it, so it's not going to be exactly like in the Word, but that passage right there will change your life if you listen to it, along with the Lord's Prayer, what Christ said there about your Heavenly Father and the King of kings and Lord of lords. So, Philippians 4, verses 4 through 9. This is, here's the things we're instructed to do. You Ready? Rejoice in the Lord always. Take pleasure in him. And again, I say rejoice. One of the best things you can do when life is really stinky. Does your life get real stinky? Life gets stinky sometimes when things are bad. One of the best things you can do is praise the Lord. And that sounds nuts to people who don't know Jesus, but here's what happens. A lot of times when you're worrying about something and worrying about something, and then all of a sudden you catch yourself and you realize Jesus is here. His spirit is here for me. What am I worried about? Then you begin to rejoice that even though things are not what I desire, and even though I've been worrying about all these things and I wish it wouldn't be this way, I have Jesus. And that means everything. And rather than being worried and filled with fear, you begin to rejoice in the fact of what would I do if I didn't have help from him? How would I go on? How, how would I face today and what I've got to face? Because I know that some of you have real problems. I'm not belittling your problems. I know that you have real struggles. You may be facing tomorrow, this week, or this month. I'm not belittling them. I'm not looking at them as not real. But what I'm telling you, I'm looking at your real God who is much greater than that. And he says, pray to me and I will protect you come unto me obey me and I will give you all these things that you need put your eyes on Jesus and when you begin to even in the midst of everything that's going on in your life you're going to begin to rejoice that you have a God like that who cares and who works on your behalf he says let your gentle spirit your graciousness your unselfishness your mercy your tolerance and patience be known to all people one of the best things for us to do as Christians is whenever we get to that point that we begin to worry and worry is we go to the father and we begin to think about who he is and we're not alone and that he we we don't need to have fear, but we need to have faith. But then we can do some action and we can actually go out and minister to someone else. And we can get out of our own situation and quit worrying about our little 18 inches and begin to go minister to somebody else. And I'm telling you, some of the best medicine in the world for worry is to get over yourself. There's more to life than what's going on in 18 inches around you. And worry causes you to look at self and say, I want what I want, and I want it to all be good, and I all want it to be easy, too. I don't want anything difficult. And so, that's human nature. I mean, we got to struggle. All of us struggle with it. And so, what Christ is saying here, what through Paul, he's saying, have that gentle spirit. Go out and be to other people what you wish other people would be to you. Get out of yourself. Get out there. God created you for more than to be about you. The church needs to get outside these walls and shine the light. Man, right now the world is open to a better way and we know the better way. He says, remember the Lord is where? 
He's nearby. He's not far removed. Then he goes on to say, do not be anxious or worry about anything. Woo. Anything. But in everything. But in everything. Have prayer and petition in thanksgiving and continue to make your request known to God. Man, Paul has got it all together. I'm telling you, he's saying, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. So God, the, the smallest thing that's going on in your life, other people may not even want to hear about it. It's so small, but God cares. And he says, pray to me, come to me. Let's talk about this. Let me help you with this. But pray about everything. And also as you pray, be thankful to understand that you have a God who cares about you. You're not like other people that don't have Jesus as their Savior, but to be thankful that you have a God that listens to you. And if you do that, if you come to God and you, you come to Him in, in with a thankful heart, if you come to Him with a praising heart, if you get outside yourself and begin to think of others and minister to them, if you quit looking at your circumstances and begin to look at your great God, here's what God promises to do. He said, in the peace of God, which reassures the heart, that peace, which, peace that transcends all understanding, that peace which stands guard over your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus, is yours. Can I tell you that in the midst of your pool of worry, that there is a place of peace for you. I do not know what it is that ails you. I don't know what it is that bothers you. I don't know what you're afraid of. It's a lot to be afraid of. But I do know this, if you will take it to the Lord Jesus Christ, and if you will come before him and say, Lord, I want you in charge. I want to obey you. Whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to do. And if you trust him and leave it with him, take it off of you and give it to him, the Bible says he will bring you the peace that passes understanding. You know why that... The peace of Jesus passes understanding is because you can have peace in the midst of any storm. And people can't understand why you got peace in the midst of your storm. Then he says, finally, believers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable and worthy of respect, whatever is right and confirmed by God's word, whatever is pure and wholesome, whatever is lovely and brings peace, whatever is admirable and of good repute, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think continually on these things. Whoa. I've been thinking about the wrong things. <laughs> I've been thinking about what I don't have. I've been thinking about me and self and what I want to happen. And that is a pit that gets deeper and deeper and deeper. And it gets worse and worse until not only you, you have that fear and worry, but now you have dark depression and despair. Over here, Jesus Christ says, come unto me, follow me. And I'm going to give you the peace that passes understanding when you focus on doing the right thing. See, the more obedient you are to Christ, the much better your life is going to be. The more obedient you are to Christ, the more joy you'll have. You remember the fruit of the Holy Spirit? 
Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Hey, that's good stuff. I have a feeling if you could go to the drugstore and buy it, we'd all run down to, you know, Walmart or Walgreens or whatever today and buy it. That comes when the Holy Spirit bears fruit. Where does the Holy Spirit bear fruit? In the lives of those who come to God and say, God, I want to do what you want to do. I want to live my life the way I want to be obedient servant of yours. The Holy Spirit just begins to pour it, man. Boom. Worry starts going this way. Peace starts coming this way. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. All of that. I'm just telling you, it's not anything that you do. It's all him. But he says, you got to come to me. You got to give this to me. That which you have received and heard and seen and practiced, do the, practice these things daily and God the peace will be with you. So if you're here today and worry is in charge of your life, why? It doesn't have to be that way. I kind of picture some people going through life and they've got this big heavy trunk it's just a huge heavy trunk with rocks in it and they're carrying it everywhere they go they don't ever let go of it because they refuse to quit worrying and I think Christ is here today and he's saying to you if that's you drop it drop that trunk it's just rocks you don't need it so that you might be filled with joy. That's his ultimate desire. But also his ultimate purpose is so that you can be the light that shows how great it is to have your faith and trust in Jesus and not in yourself. How far beyond the Christian life is there any other life in this world for you and for others. One of my favorite preachers is Tony Evans out of Texas. I was reading a little bit this week about worry and he had a recommendation that I'm going to recommend to you. He said, if you have worry in your life and these deep concerns just keep coming back on you and you can't get rid of them, he says, this is what you need to do. Go find your box, cut the top out of it and put it up on your, by your bed. And, and then he goes on and says, Whenever you begin to worry about anything, this is what you need to do. Say, Lord, write it down on a piece of paper. Lord, this is what I'm worried about, but you told me not to worry. So I'm going to put this worry note in my box as an admission that I cannot handle it. This means it is your, yours to handle, and I'm trusting you to take care of it. And you say, man, that's kind of silly. <laughs> and it is. But sometimes we need a visual way to do the right thing. And if I write down that worry and I put it in a box, man, we know what humans are going to do, right? We're going to take it back up again tomorrow and start worrying again. You may have to put the same thing in there more than once. But eventually, you're going to get it if I give that worry to him, then he replaces it 
with peace and faith and joy and love. I give away the rocks of worry and I gain the fine diamonds of peace and joy of Jesus. As Christians today, I I know that we all wrestle with fear. I know that we all wrestle with worry. And that's why I believe the Lord wants us to hear what Jesus said. Lord, today, give us our daily bread. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, we come to you today and I know that worry has a way of destroying lives. And Lord, worry can keep individuals and churches from shining out the light of faith. And Lord, I do believe that we live in a world today that's desperately in need of seeing you and what you can do in our lives. I'm praying for all of us today for our own individual sakes, for the sake of those nearest to us and closest to us, for the sake of our world, that we would come to Jesus and pray, seek your face, and Lord, that we might give up those worries and fears and replace it with a trust in you, knowing that you're our Heavenly Father who loves us, but who is also the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Grace and mercy combined with great strength to work in our life. I pray for everyone here today that they would find that peace that passes understanding that only comes from Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.